passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. It is John Pollock, and I am joined by Waiting. Hi, John. How you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, really? Yep. How was your weekend? My weekend was great. Yeah, what happened? I uh, went out Sunday night. I was out, uh, out with my wife. We had a really uh, great time downtown. We went by uh, Nathan Phillips Square. Have you been there? This uh this holiday season, it's all done no. up now. Oh, okay. Oh, well, what really do they nice. have? Like a big tree, something. They've got, they've got the tree. They've got all these other uh, lighting fixtures there. There's skating going on. They are doing. They're back to doing skating, so that's nice. Are your lights up yet? Yes, you have asked me that. I think three times now. I've said yes three times. You did? Oh, I'm sorry. I'll probably okay. ask you again. That's okay. Um, I might take them down now just so I can have a different answer for the next time sure okay because i know you said that you didn't do it did I not thought... no no we we do have lights out now so okay. i don't know if we're gonna add to uh the decor we have uh we, we've got like a decent setup right now there's the one house on our street that goes all out and it's it's just not within reach i would like to in my in my dreams but not in reality Hmm. Oh, someday when you. This is a very you know. festive uh, area that I live in, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And you're right. still uh, nothing. I've got like one strand of like. That's right. Light. That's right. You have them indoors, though. You have indoor lights. I have one strand indoors, one strand outdoors. That's about the extent of the decorating right now. Okay. Well, that sounds nice. Did you have a okay weekend? Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. It was okay. Just all right. That's fine. Yeah, just okay. You know, I spent a lot of it helping my my parents um, clean. Um, their place is just a mess. Mm. Like it's just been years and years and years of just collecting plastic bags, old newspapers. Just like they have a real problem of like not knowing how to throw sh- shit out. So I can sympathize with that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, a lot of it was like my stuff too, of course. So like, I spent much of the day going through like my old homework basically from like my entire life so i actually i found some stuff from like you know uh, our our projects that we've done together it was really everything ranging from like you know kindergarten all the way up to like university so i I had a bit of a retrospective on my own life this past weekend oh wow well that that sounds like an instagram story yeah i don't know maybe 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 i will well way 
It is the end of November, so brand new month is going to be starting, uh, unless I didn't get a notice somewhere, and this is, this is all she wrote. But uh, December is coming up, and there are several changes here to the site. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, before we maybe talk about some of the shows that are coming up, I wanted to mention to everybody on the free feeds, this is something we've already discussed on our episode of Talk for our cafe patrons on uh, last week's show. But starting on Wednesday and starting throughout December and afterwards, we are going to start running ads on the free feed. And it's probably not the best of news for people who've been enjoying these shows completely ad-free for what probably feels like a decade now of you and I podcasting. But uh, it's a decision that I think we've waited a long time on. It's one we definitely don't don't take very lightly. But we also think it's time. You know, we want to grow our business. It's something that's very done done very commonly, uh, probably pretty much across all the podcasts that, they, that you probably listen to. And for us, it's a chance to expand. It's a chance to help a lot of the podcasts on our network grow in the future as well. So that will happen. Uh, we received a question last week about whether or not we would be making ad-free shows on the cafe feed. And my initial thought at the moment is the answer is no, because it's not my intent at all to load these podcasts up so much with advertising that people would want to pay for it. Um, at least that's not the idea right now, and I hope it never has to be. But um, the answer is no right now. But of course, that will change. You know, even if it's like um, maybe you know just just an ad-free show to avoid somebody having to listen to one ad. Maybe that's something I would consider if there's enough demand for it. But for now, yeah, that's what's coming. Yeah, we we talked about this a lot on the on the talk show from from last week, but I mean, in a nutshell, like we we want to be growing, like we want to be having more contributors on the site, both uh, with podcasts, with written work, and so that's that's kind of the thinking here, and the fact that it's going to benefit a lot of people um, at the site as well. So that's kind of our thinking, and uh, if there are complaints out there, uh, we do welcome them, and they can be tweeted at the. Bray D. So that's T H E B R A Y D. And he has uh, volunteered to take all of your uh, complaints at any hours of the day. And uh, you can DM me if you want his cell phone number as well, in case you can't get a hold of him by Twitter. Uh, here he's very responsive. So. Can I say, just on a, uh, a semi related note, a few weeks ago I mentioned that Braden and Davey posted their photo from Halloween where they were dressed as Cody. And Arn, terrific Halloween costume, fantastic. They should have won any contest they entered. They tweeted this photo out, and it got a response from Cody that was a simple emoji. That was it. He put, like, the dynamite emoji. It is now November 29th, and dude, the responses that I still get from these bot accounts, because we were tagged in this initial tweet, it is unbelievable how aggravating it is. I never want to hear from, I never want to be tweeted by any pro wrestler with any significant Twitter account again. I cannot imagine even using Twitter if this is just a small sample of the amount of bot responses that they get to anything. It's a month later and this same tweet is getting the same, are you lonely? It's it, like it drives me nuts. I've just blocked and blocked and blocked and blocked, and they just—it's like whack a mole. They just create more. They just keep coming. Why don't you just mute the conversation? 
I have tried. Wait, I I have this on my my tweet deck, and I can't even. I don't think I can even t- mute this conversation. Just open it up in the browser, then. I don't know if this will work. I will try this. Okay. Well, that's unfortunate. Um. Yeah, man. Well, hey, uh, Cody doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He gave up his Twitter account to uh, the AEW. I believe it's what do they call it? the outreach program? Is that what he did? Yeah. Well, no, uh, Twitter's not for everyone. Uh, wise man. He gave it to the AEW community outreach program. So now they have a million followers. So that's a that's a good use of social media. Are you looking for the mute conversation? No, I I I am here and on on TweetDeck you cannot mute the conversation because it's not my open it up in your browser. Just like right click on the 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 time of the tweet. You're right. I could do that. And then it shouldn't go to my TweetDeck from there. Yeah, I would assume. This is live IT right here. This is perfect. This is all I wanted way. This would be wonderful. Is it working? Um I I'm not doing all of that right now, but okay. um nonetheless I will keep you updated. Anything else going on? We've got we've got raw to talk about. Uh, well, we got some stuff for the rest of the week to talk about as well. Tomorrow, I'm gonna try to find time between this recording and tomorrow's uh, one o'clock news update to watch and then record a review of WCW Starcade 1997. So we've got that coming out in the Post Wrestling Cafe, and then uh, MCU later is back on Thursday, but on. All week, we will be doing our daily news updates, and on Thursday specifically, you will be joined by Brandon Thurston to talk about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, won't you? That's right. Thursday, uh, Brandon and I will go over uh, our ballots for the Observer Hall of Fame. We're going to look at some of the more interesting candidates on the ballot this year and uh, making cases or cases against uh, different candidates. So uh, look out for that uh, this Thursday in the uh, the post-daily news update slot. So that will be airing Thursday 1 p.m. Eastern time for all that want to check out that that show. I'm looking forward to it. YouTube.com slash post wrestling is where you can catch those one o'clock every single day live. We'll be uh, we might even start taking your questions via super chat. We had our first super chat today, John, from um, somebody unprompted completely. So maybe we'll start playing around with that function. And then Saturday, the long winding Royal road Sunday. NXT War Games. We got a takeover special on Up Next and also WrestleNomics with Chris Golo and Brandon Thurston. Yes, and it'll be a very, very packed month here at the site. We are in the midst of planning out all of our, our year-end shows, so uh, more on that to come uh, in the month of December. It's going to be a very busy one. Is it ever not a busy m- month? I'm looking forward to the one where we say, you know what, everybody? Save your money. This month, we're on cruise control. There's nothing going on. Maybe maybe next May. Maybe May will be a quiet month, and we can just uh, say, you know what, guys? We're good. We're good. Maybe it'll get there eventually. <laughs> all right. Uh, Tuesday, we'll be back with our latest news update. We'll go over uh, all the latest news. PWG announcing BOLA for the end of January. Ooh, okay. Very weird. Yeah. Hmm. Not to have BOLA. That's such a kind of Labor Day tradition. They did not do one last year, but uh, they will be back January 29th and 30th. We'll talk a bit more about that and all the latest. Uh, include, we'll, do, we'll do our daily Triple Mania update uh, probably every day this week in the lead up to Saturday. Can they add any more people to that match? 
Well, we know now the top six matches of the eight, they will air on Fight TV. So that's uh, that's our latest news bit for this uh, this big show on, on Saturday. I, I think this tri- this card has gotten more attention from us than 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 anywhere than than AAA itself. Perhaps. Tonight, Raw took place from the brand new UBS Arena, the home of the Islanders on Long Island. And tonight's show was, well, some people got fired, but you know what? Makes for great promo material. I mean, unfortunately, I, I, yeah, uh, it came up two times, actually, throughout tonight. Yes, um, by baby faces. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean... Um, it, 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 yeah, it doesn't make the company look good. At the same time, these promos are, are meant to, I think, you know, reflect, um, the reality of, of what's going on in people's lives. Um, so unfortunate that like somebody's misfortune can somehow be used to benefit, I suppose, um, any sort of fictitious program. But you also had the baby faces blaming the heels for the people being fired. So it's the, it's the talent's mm-hmm. fault that these people have been fired, not the company. Well, in the, when you're trying to trash talk, um, you're, I suppose you're looking for any associated thing to, you know, kind of dig at your opponent, right? Whether or not it, it's believable. But like in the case of The Miz, I suppose Edge is saying, um, you know, you leaving somehow contributed to your friend no longer having a job. Yes. Um, and and in Liv's case, she's saying that Becky's contract Becky's was contract, so expensive because yes. this this company, I mean, it's it's cutting it's it's going to be a really tight race to see if they can uh, be profitable this year. I mean, Becky's contract has really upset the entire structure of this company. Right. Well, again, it's like, can you believe in it? Can you believe these characters would say something in this fictitious world? Uh, can I believe that they would say it? Um, sure. Uh, is there any logic? None. I think even the most average wrestling fan would look at that and Liv Morgan. I didn't think Liv Morgan came across as any kind of baby face. Like she was like this bully that's making fun of Becky for crying and then makes a jab about, well, your contract's the reason my friends are fired. I think even the average wrestling fan would call bullshit on that line. Um, yeah, I mean, I can personally buy that particular line. I also didn't like her pointing out like Becky's very genuine emotion and somehow, you know, making fun of her for crying. I thought that I, was I thought it was silly. a terrible look. Like anyone who that watched that promo, um, the last thing you would be uh, coming away with that is this would be great material for a babyface to make fun of her for crying. Like it was just such a such a mean spirited promo to script for Liv to and did not to me really endear her at all to this audience as well. It's not like this got some big reaction. Uh, it felt uncomfortable. Right. But I, I thought the other line was like perfectly in line with, I think what a character would say, you know, if they're trash talking against perhaps, you know, one of, one of the most highly paid people on the roster, uh, at least in the women's division. Well, the show began with Seth coming out before and- that. Do you want to go through some of these tickets, ticket sales, uh, uh updates, John? I have some of this stuff here with me. Yeah, why don't, why don't you read what the final uh, tally was uh, for tonight? Because next week, we will have the the full AEW comparison where they had been wet, well ahead in the lead up to this uh, for Dynamite a week from this Wednesday. 
Yeah, of course, these are both, uh, this is a building where both companies are running, and this is also the site of, you know, a little mini war, I would say, for the Battle of Long Island with both of these uh, uh, um, uh, promotions running back, back-to-back back weeks. And the final count, courtesy of WrestleTicks for our tonight show, is uh, total tickets distributed of 5,887 for Monday Night Raw, and a setup capacity of 600. So 5,887 5, is what they sold. And at the moment, Dynamite has 8,658 tickets distributed. So, um, you know, clearly a lot more interest in this market for the brand new promotion. Yeah. I mean, they, AEW got off to a really hot start. And it's, you know, having this comparison in the same market. And you also have, you know, the your top two TV programs to compare. So it has shown, you know, the New York market, I think you can certainly say that AEW has made um, a significant inroads this year in terms of that, that part of the country. Absolutely. And you're coming back not too far removed from, from Arthur Ashe stadium. You had the Prudential center just before that, and you're going back to the Prudential center soon. And I think you consider that all kind of the, the general kind of that Northeast uh, pocket. So, uh, will be interesting to see if there is uh, any more of a walk-up for AEW a week from Wednesday or if they're kind of settled at this figure. Tonight, uh, so Rollins comes out to begin the show, and he says that people might think he's in a bad mood after last week, but he is not. And he has a big announcement. He will be challenging Big E at day one on January 1st as he gets his WWE title opportunity after winning the ladder match and with that Finn Balor comes out and immediately goes after Seth they brawl around the floor and Balor ends up landing the him or hitting him with the steps and bleeds into their opening match so this would be the focus of the show was what would the day one main event be we started off with a singles match way and it would go through uh iterations throughout the show pretty much yeah Finn and Seth had their match that was uh, delayed a week. Uh, Rollins uh, got out of the way for, for the coup de grace and then was hit with a Topicon hero, go through the commercial. Uh, Rollins hit a superplex Falcon Arrow combo and then goes for the frog splash, lands onto the knees. There is a stomp that gets stopped. Finn comes back and then Rollins once again rolling away from the coup de grace. The 1916 gets stopped when Rollins utilizes a thumb to the eye and then Rollins hits a rolling elbow to the back of the head and the stomp for the clean victory on Finn Balor as Rollins uh, gets the pinfall. Yeah, I mean, the match itself was a really great sprint. You know, these two have always had great athletic chemistry together and anytime they wrestle, it's almost as if they're, they're facing mirror images. So um, they had, you know, a real great sense of urgency there for the entire duration of their time on the screen. And the booking itself was like, I think, you know, pretty much to be expected at this point with somebody of uh, Finn Balor's kind of stature in the company. And Seth Rollins is being geared up for a championship match. He I, feels- I like the, the fact they did a clean win here. I mean, I think you're you're sometimes it's such a paranoia about beating anyone. But you're right. Like Seth is being groomed for the title match. And this was that's. That's Rollins' role, and this is Finn's role at the moment. I mean, Finn had, you know, his head stomped in twice last week, so this was at least, uh, 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 you know, a growth from from that. But, yeah, Rollins, of anybody on this program on Raw, really does feel like he's somebody with a lot of airtime who's also being booked very strongly. So this was the right call. 
And then we started our first of many, many scenes involving Vince McMahon hanging out with Austin Theory. And he meets Austin and says, how are you? And Vince says, no one cares how I am. I could tell you I have irritable bowel syndrome, that I have an ingrowing toenail, and I have an earache. That's phony crap. But what wasn't phony was your match with Big E last week. Were you ready for it? And he says, you and I are going to watch all of Raw together. And then sits down with Austin and says, and if you ever steal from me again, I'll kill you. <laughs> Way these were so oddly compelling all night long. <laughs> I thought they were so weird, but I can't. Every time they showed up, I just leaned in and I was very, these were so weird, but I kind of got an enjoyment out of them. We were wondering last week whether or not they would continue with the Vince McMahon experiment by having him on TV and what excuse they would have to bring him on TV. And the answer was yes. And evidently, this was the excuse. I, 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 I think I, I, I tried really hard to think about the reason beyond, you know, the obvious of, of having Vince McMahon on their screen. How they came up with the idea of having him basically coach a millennial throughout a viewing of Raw uh, through the topic of surprises. This was um, so weird. Super weird. Kind of creepy, if I have to be honest. Um, you know, we'll see how all this reflects in the ratings, but to me, it it was just kind of nonsense gibberish that was coming out of their mouths, um, just so people could see. Well, out of one of their mouths, Austin like barely spoke in any of these. I mean, he was just kind of there. Um, I mean, he's already going through the pain of having to sit through Raw, and like, I would wonder how much of this was just Vince McMahon like improving on the spot too. I could definitely see that. Absolutely, Uh, that's what it felt like. But again, it tells you how much they. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Do you, this must be a means they love Austin Theory, right? Or at least Vince. Like it means he must love this guy. He's the I guy know. they've chosen to put here at the side of Vince McMahon. Um, this very much was your um, Logan and Greg interaction. Although Austin Theory is no Greg, and Vince almost, is no Logan. I'd say it was almost Tom and Greg at points. Um. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Um. There. There's some of that. Mm-hmm. Logan would never sit down with Greg for a whole three hours. Are you kidding me? He wouldn't. Have, he might he, slap him. Uh. Maybe. I don't know if he's a. Maybe. Maybe. Well, these were these were strange segments, and Vince was not even advertised for the show. You would think that maybe they would make a bigger deal out of that. That Vince McMahon returns to Raw, but um, I guess you tune in and you realize these will be recurring bits throughout the evening. I mean, I guess I just wondered if there was a bigger point to it all, and maybe there is. This is this, you know, this might be a. This looks like it's a recurring thing, isn't it? Well, I thought that this when he started talking about surprises and expect the unexpected, I thought we were gonna. This was gonna culminate in like theory, maybe getting involved in the main event, doing something to close the show. Uh, that was not the case. Like they, right. this, the punchline to all of these was um, literally well, a slap line. There you go. It was hey, uh, so, so does this continue? I think so. This was not settled. It seems like there's going to be some weird um, kind of mentor-student relationship. 
Yes. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Becky Lynch comes out for an impromptu contract signing overseen by Sonya Deville, who welcomes the rebellious and passionate Liv Morgan. Becky takes all the credit for Liv displaying her fire last week and said, you had one hell of a right hand, but one punch isn't enough to beat me. She referred to Deville as Tanya. And the match for the title is set for next week in Memphis. And when they make this announcement, Becky makes fun of the fans in Long Island not getting the title match and then insults the Islanders. You fans aren't ready for title matches. And Liv yells, can you just shut up? Liv then announces that I am channeling my, um, I channeled my emotions last week with my fist because I didn't want you blubbering like you did after the match with Charlotte when you cried. Someone air the footage and we get like this pretty like uh, heartfelt promo that, and it's not even really even a promo, but again, we, it was right after the Charlotte match where Becky is like in tears about how this friendship has crumbled and coming off of this match. And you've got Liv here calling her a little baby and then goes on to say, Becky is the reason that her best friend is gone in reference to Charlotte, just like your big contract is the reason my friends are gone. This company is so goddamn cheap. Yeah. Well, again, I thought it was a perfectly good heat getting line when you're trying to target some sort of rivalry and, and hate, you know, for the person standing across from you. I think it's got to be a believable shot though. And I don't think any, audience member i think it's it, believable you you hear this shit all the time like you, you know like when when it comes to like i don't know hollywood budgets like you know uh team budgets you know anytime there's a star player taking up much of the contract and people having to make room elsewhere companies whenever they hire you know um i mean i don't know whenever the boss ends up making a whole lot of money through a bonus and people on the bottom end have to be let go well uh i mean I, anyway Becky says some of us deserve to get paid. What a heel. And she made a pitch for tonight to have a five on five match, which will feature team Becky versus team live. And that would take place uh, later in the evening. Like, in fact, I, I kind of find that portion to be the most realistic part of anything that live has said throughout this entire program. And I, I feel like the rest of everything she said has been very, very scripted and it's been delivered in a very dry way. Um, this was meant to be, you know, the big go-home segment for these two. And Becky, I think, is always, like, you know, like, has a certain standard of quality when it comes to her her speaking ability. But the way that they scripted Liv Morgan, first of all, by having using that dot-com promo, which was very much a babyface promo, as any sort of ammunition for her to target Becky as a heel absolutely didn't work for a crowd that already likes Becky more than Liv anyway. And then secondly, I just didn't think Liv's delivery was good at all. You know, for somebody who, who's been around for as long as she has, I actually thought this was very low level. And, you know, not... I, I guarantee you, like, on Raw Talk right now, she's probably, like, doing the actual promo we should have seen tonight. Uh, because, like, in trying to deliver these sort of lines, she came across just incredibly wooden to me. Yeah, I just thought it was... I just thought the the crying promo was su such a bad call to go in that direction and this like antiquated view of like 
somebody crying as like a sign of weakness. I just think that doesn't resonate with your audience in, in the least uh, bit here. Uh, so the five on five would take place later in the show. RK bros in the back and Riddle asks why Randy isn't dressed like him after they freaky Friday last week. Orton's annoyed, says that we don't have to dress up like one another. And if you thought I was going to, you're more brain dead than I thought. We have to just be more ruthless and 10 steps ahead of the competition. Riddle has Randy close his eyes and Riddle reached into the year 2003 and pulled out Bill Goldberg's wig and placed it onto Randy's head. And it was equally dumb this time. And Randy said, you have two seconds to take that off my head and warns him never do that again. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, this, felt this is exactly a classic. This is a classic moment in raw history. It was the second everyone realized, oh, Goldberg's dead in this company. Yep. Yep. And they decided to redo it for, I think, one of their more more protected acts in, in Randy Orton. And this does not kill Randy Orton in any of and the same way at all. Like he's bulletproof now, Randy Orton. But at the same time, like I, I need to know a little bit more of why this Randy Orton character is just tolerating any of this it makes very little sense to me and i know eventually this is all being teased for a breakup but um at the moment what is it that is keeping randy connected to this guy and letting this guy do this well they're the champions they are winning so they've got that and they have but he's but are they winning because of riddle like is riddle even portrayed as a competent guy at all or is randy doing most of the work most of the time Well, it's also like last week when Riddle did the RKO and by the end of it, like Randy was like, thought it was so cool that he did the RKO. And then he's like appalled at this guy the next week. So it's like you have these. Is there genuine love between these two? Does Randy actually like Riddle? This is I'm not I'm not I'm not talking on the surface. I'm talking like at the end. okay? inevitably, when Randy Orton turns on Riddle, will he say, I actually liked you. That's why I, I let you put a wig on me. <laughs> or like, like, will he say that? Or is this all an act? I guess that is, uh, you got to let it play out way. You got to let it play out. Hansi in the chat room makes a good point. Uh, just going back to the Becky live thing. Um, Hansi says, I took it as Becky's character was mocking her for crying last week, which is a detail uh, I, I forgot. You know, like pretty much like Becky's promo last week was, was mocking live for crying. And I wish Liv, like, brought us back there a little bit more just to kind okay. of remind Be- us. Becky was the heel last week, so doing, yeah. bullying her. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, the way Liv responded was just basically bully the same way. And and it made it worse because, like, I think a lot of us forgot that that's what she was attempting to do to try to, like, you know, retaliate. Yeah, like, Liv was crying last week because of Becky bullying her directly right. yeah and 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 yeah and the excuse that Liv would have was that i'm I'm doing the same thing you know i'm making fun of you for crying but it wasn't that like it was not as well conveyed nor was Liv saying see like how could how dare you criticize me for showing emotion when you were doing the same thing well that that was that was hardly conveyed and i didn't think anyone that would have seen like just watching this on its own I think you would watch that Becky thing and be like, how, why are you making fun of this woman? Yeah. Anyway. So RK bro against rude and Ziggler for the raw tag titles. This is after rude and Ziggler, um, won that 
eight man tournament to earn this rematch for for the tag titles uh, with a long build to earn this title shot. They finally get it tonight. What did they do to to earn this shot? Nothing. Like they lose I, lose to Riddle and Orton. I I went on Cage Match specifically to like look up the Dirty Dogs records and like they they've already lost a title match against the uh, RK Bro. And I believe, like, on last week's Raw, like, one of them lost a singles match. Riddle Riddle beat Ziggler last week with the RKO. So how the fuck in what world did this turn into, like, a a tag title shot for any reason? Who cares? Why are we... Why why do we... Well, as Byron said later in the show, this is a thriving tag team division. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Uh, Anyway, so we went through the commercial break. They had the heat on Randy. Riddle gets the tag, Brotons to both, went for a PK that didn't look like it connected with Dolph. Uh, Riddle does his own draping DDT to Rude, then tags Randy. Both go for double RKOs, but the tandem RKOs are stopped. Orton kicks out of a zigzag, and then Randy stops a super kick, does a schoolboy, releasing Ziggler, who then leaps into an RKO, and Orton pins Ziggler, earning Ziggler and Rude a rematch for the tag titles. <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> Fine tag match, though. Yeah, if you like generic, inconsequential, nonsensical WWE TV wrestling, I think you might like this. This was one of my six favorite RK Bro Rude Ziggler matches this year. Top six. I don't. Sure. I, I don't even know if we've seen more than like two, honestly. But it feels like anytime it's Dolph Ziggler in a match, it feels like I've seen the match eight times. And I don't know why that is. Like, certain wrestlers just kind of have that. But maybe it's because all the stories are the same. There is no story. Rollins is in the back with Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens says, if I beat Big E tonight, I'm going to be added to the match at day one, according to Adam Pierce." And this greatly upsets Rollins, who does not believe Kevin Owens, calling him a liar. But he is going to go check on this. So he finds Pierce, who denies saying this to Kevin Owens. Says, I haven't even spoken to him today. That never happened. So Rollins is relieved, walks out, DeVille enters, and Pierce mentions what he just said. And DeVille says, Owens being added? That's not a bad idea. So was this all Kevin Owens' play? Like he mentioned it to Rollins, knowing that Rollins would go tell Pierce and and DeVille? This was was hardly explained well. But I believe the thing is like Kevin Owens story is like he is way smarter than this television program. And he put this into Rollins head and goaded him to go mention this to Adam Pierce with the idea that, oh, my God, three people in a match versus two. Mm-hmm. It's so much better. It's so much better, even though this cheap company now has to pay for three people in the main event. But the idea has now been floated and it ended up working in his favor. Because he ended up goading Seth Rollins to beat him in a He DQ. got Seth to inadvertently suggest the triple threat to make tonight's main event be more, more important. So, and it all worked out. So this Kevin Owens must know exactly what he's going to be doing when his contract runs out. Because the man is a fortune teller, okay? Not only did he have to assume that Seth Rollins would go to Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville to tell them about this plan. He would have to assume that Deville and in uh, uh, Pierce liked the plan enough to actually implement it. Then he had to assume that Seth Rollins would join them for commentary in the main event. And that he had to, again, assume that Seth Rollins would lose his cool to attack him to cause a DQ. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, no, perfectly. And there's and there's a major sense. gap in logic that we will get to later in, in the in the show. But this was uh, Kevin. O- Maybe Kevin Owens is going to become a booker somewhere. What he should be betting on horses. Uh, he could be. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Edge comes out. Got a great reaction. He's just. I love all you people. This is the best job in the world. <laughs> he brings up the last time I was here, I beat Seth Rollins. He's now the number one contender for the title, but he deserves it. He's he's on a whole different level. He won Hell in a Cell. Yes, he won a Crown Jewel. I, he dude, won a I blow totally off. forget. I totally forgot. Yeah. Oh, he won, and then he got injured. Okay. Who Edge? No. Like, why did he leave? He was he. He's explaining. He's got to he's got to recover from these matches. Oh, okay. All right. He's got to. Why did they have him win? For bigger things down the road, I guess. Like what? A, a feud against the Miz? That's huge. They have Rollins going up, up against Big E. Why did they have Edge win that feud? That match? Wait, wait, that was a month ago. We don't go a month back in in memory. All right. He mentions all the different people that he could face here on Raw, mentioning AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Big E. Meaning those are probably the five that are not going to be confronting him in this segment. Instead, it's The Miz who comes out and is accompanied by Maurice, who has replaced John Morrison. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how long the plan was to bring Maurice back. I mean, they're great together. You know, Miz is great with Morrison. He's great with The Miz. The three of them are great together. But um, I wonder how much of this, like, maybe went into the John Morrison decision or maybe not. Maybe they're completely separate. But it's unfortunate. You know, I'll miss The Miz and Morrison together. They were they were a very strong act together. Mm-hmm. They were dancing with the stars highlights, which <laughs> this is this was just amazing. And they're using it for their benefit and good for them. But in, in one of in one of Jericho's books, when he was going to do that, uh, that game show, I can't remember what it was called downfall or something. And he and it, he said it was like the most aggressive fight he ever had with Vince McMahon because he'd be going and doing a game show on a different network that is not in the NBC Universal family. And here we've got Dancing with the Stars on another network, head-to-head with Raw, no less. And they're all for it. They like they could not be promoting this anymore. So it's just it's amazing to see the, the difference of when WWE's yeah. on board with something and when they're adamantly against something. Mm-mm. It's a, I mean, a real change in philosophy. I will say, you know, though, like something like Dancing with the Stars has, I think, become so popular that it's, it, it is to me, like in many ways, a sign of mainstream success, or at least notor- some form of notoriety. If you happen to be on, you know, that particular show and and seen by so many people every single week, so I, I do understand why they might be embracing it now when they weren't before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when Stacy Keebler did it, they they made no mention of her, but that was. Uh... Years, years, years and years ago. So Miz is out and confronts Edge, who got the big return treatment with a press release after being gone for a month. Yes, wait, he got he got the big tweet mm-hmm. treatment. And also because they probably wanted to drive home some last minute ticket sales. Uh, that probably did not hurt either. The fact that they got this out over the weekend to, uh, yeah, get that got that walk up crowd going. And he's he was only gone a month. 
and just has all these comebacks while I was out representing WWE Weekly. When I take time off, it's to make the company bigger. And he gets no return treatment. And you didn't even mention my name among the big names here on Raw. Plus, we have another return with Maurice. Edge says, I thought you were still painting yourself like a genie. And makes fun of him for finishing in ninth on Dancing with the Stars. And Miz turns us around and blames the fans for not voting for him. I've got a crappy fan base here. (laughs) Edge says that his body, or sorry, Edge is dancing with a body that is riddled with injury. And Edge responds saying that he did not complain. Uh... They did not complain to the right people in Pierce and DeVille. Instead, you came out and interrupted me, meaning you've got an agenda to try and politic your way to get a main event program with me. And he tries to get a Miz sucks chant going. And Miz points out, when was the last time you held a major title? Oh, right. It was back at the WrestleMania you opened and I main evented back in 2011. I surpassed you, Edge, a long time ago. You should have just stayed home for good. Edge admits he can't do this for much longer, and I fought to get this small window of opportunity back. The locker room respects me, and I respect them. You, Miz, know nothing about respect, and I'll give you a pat on the back. And he documents Miz's journey from tough enough to headlining WrestleMania and says you have people on other shows saying your name just to get a cheap reaction. Yeah. Which was a great line to use. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And then, and then Edge was quick to use someone's name to get a cheap reaction when referencing John Morrison like 30 seconds later. So I guess he's even. Mm-hmm. He says, Miz, you live rent free in a lot of people's heads. You've got a huge home, a great family. You made it way further than anyone thought except you who believed it and you made it happen. But instead you use all of this for your next endeavor and leave your partners high and dry to get fired. Not only a unfortunate shot here at John Morrison, but also using high and dry as like for Johnny drip drip. <laughs> oh, I thought this was like a double hit, man. I like, Oh, wow. I'll say it like what I know. I, but, but, so what you you thought it was a shot because he used high and dry? No, no. Uh, it, it, I thought it was it, clever. Um, I don't. If I don't that know. Was the point? Yeah, uh, may, maybe it was. Uh, it could have been. I don't know how crazy I am about using like these real firings just for zingers. Yeah, no. It's it it, it it it's there's there's a real life person who lost a lot. You know, by and, and was really dicked around and, by this company and his at wife. the end of this. And yes. it's like this company that has fired us, and well, they're going to get their benefit out of our firing by its promo material on this show. Well, I will say, like, especially in the case of an Edge promo, I I do really feel like it's probably more Edge deciding to use a for line edge, like this for Edge. I would certainly think that, and not so much Liv Morgan, obviously. Right, and 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 it's also just like. In the in the when you're in the realm of trash talking and promo battling, I I hardly think this is something that you know would be considered off limits. Like you want to look for any sort of realism that you have in order to suck this audience in, and this is one of the most relevant things in the Miz's career. I, I would hope for the performers involved, the that like a Morrison had a heads up about a line like that coming. Perhaps, yeah, but it, it's also not a line that like. 
I think makes Morrison look like bad. I mean, everybody knows he, he was let go. Um, this, I think, just kind of almost makes it fe- feel unjustified that he was let go. He said that he expects respect, but Edge earned his respect. And they tease going at it. Miz is taking off his jacket, but then says no and walks out on him. And uh, they, they turned this into, like, uh, I thought, like a, a pretty strong segment in, involving these two for a match down the road. Maybe the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good segment. I thought both men were very good in, in intensity and delivery. I, you know, I, I like the Miz pointing out the silliness of, of Edge's run simply being like a series of returns at this point. Like, this feels like it's his, like, like fourth comeback. I mean, that's that's what's <laughs> going to be the pattern for Edge. Edge is not going to be sticking around for a prolonged period of, like, matches every week. And yeah, he's sure. going to disappear. Like, that's how um, that's how his, his, his pattern is going to play out. Right, right. You know, I, I think most people, at least listening to this right now, if you saw both, both this and Dynamite, it's very hard not to compare this to MJF and Punk. This, it was sort of the last time we had a long promo battle where we saw two guys take up a lot of screen time to go back and forth trying to hit each other with, you know, um, personal lines. This did not cut nearly as deep. I think, you know... The- this was nowhere at the level of that segment, but that doesn't make this a bad segment either. Exactly. Like this, no, it doesn't. It's These are two of the better talkers in the WWE getting time to build a story through their promos. And it's uh, this stuff is always welcome when it's good. And I thought this was good. Just don't, you know, I wouldn't go in expecting, I think, the level of, of an MJF and Punk. Um, number one, because I don't think anybody has the same level of anticipation for the match at the end of this. I mean, Edge naming the roster of his opponents that he could have had. I feel like any of of them. I, like I we, thought that was a mistake a to 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 list off all these options, and I mean, it's like it's when you look at like you go back way to the Royal Rumble return in 2020, and if you were to and throw at the injury, you didn't you couldn't forecast that you were going to have to lose the guy for that many months. But here we are, and he's had programs with Randy Orton, a very long program with Randy Orton. With Roman Reigns and Brian and Seth Rollins, and now we're going on to the Miz. And it's like I don't I don't know what like the Miz is at a level that I don't think he's ever going lower, and I don't think he's ever going higher. He's in a really solid spot. So I mean it's a match. I don't know if it's a match anyone is clamoring for. I'm sure they'll have a really fine match together, but I don't think it's one that anyone is at the edge of their seat waiting for, as uh, we have, you know, two two people in excess of 40 years old in, in a mm-hmm. match together. Well, let's look at the list here. Okay. That he did mention AJ Styles is a, it's a program we'd love to see, but unfortunately they have AJ's slotted, not in a spot for that kind of program they, at the moment. They have slotted AJ Styles as the blind tag team partner of Omos. Okay. <laughs> that is AJ's role at the moment. He's not doing any sort of singles programs. Kevin Owens. I mean, Kevin Owens is involved in the main event. We also don't know what his status is after this. So, He's not a choice. Finn Balor is setup guy for for Seth Rollins right now, and in their eyes, a man far lower in the, on the totem pole than than the Miz. Damian Priest is a babyface doing off going off on his own thing, and Biggie is a, another babyface going off and doing his own thing. So, like in their eyes, they see the Miz at this high mainstream level, and you know, I think that maybe there's some actual like credibility to that. Like he's relatively well known. 
but is it a match that I think is like does it make the wrestling fans salivate when you hear Miz versus Edge? Well, how about all those names not. that you've just listed way and it's like, man, this this show needs some some youth. Well, we have a whole segment of uh, Vince McMahon teaching the youth on this show. Well, we got that, the youth coming up. Austin Theory is like your 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 young like We'll get that eventually. I mean, Austin Theory and Edge, that seems to make sense. He's like the legend selfie guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for a program for, for a month, I think like Edge and Miz, they did a good job of establishing it here uh, with, with these two. So you expect this for, for January 1st? That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope they, the strength between the two is, is going to be the talking. You know, I, I don't have huge expectations for, for an in-ring battle, but obviously they can, that can change my mind. But I, I, I want to see a lot more. Like, I hope these two get deeper the next time they share the microphone. What about Edge and AJ as a tag team? E and can't see. E and can't. Very good. Which takes us to AJ and Omos backstage. Schreiber asks about why the Street Profits used a fire extinguisher. I don't know why they're asking the guys who absorbed the fire extinguisher why the Street Profits used it, but says that they could not beat them, and he's got glasses on. As AJ explains, I can't see, and the doctors don't know if I'll get my vision back. He called them those smoke enthusiasts and gave him the smoke right in my eyes. Where there is smoke, there's fire. And I promise they will get burned as he then wandered off and Omos had to like guide him around. <laughs> this is completely preposterous. I mean, it's it's actually dry ice. It's not smoke at all. Well, for... For the uh, the guys that rant about smoke, it's now smoke. Okay, yeah. Uh, man, you think these interns, like, or who, I mean, this writing staff is just like, <laughs> fuck it. Like, my name's not on this script. I'll just, like, write whatever <laughs> bullshit I want. Like, hey, I'm guys, sitting what, on the tw- what do you, What do you think AJ will say? Do you think AJ would actually say this? Yeah, yeah. go for it. You think they'll put it on the... <laughs> you think Vince will approve this? Yeah, That's... he loves this shit, like... Cro- wait, wait, wait. Cross out the street profits. Call them smoke enthusiasts. There could have been this masterpiece, okay, that this young intern coming out of, I don't know, some whatever TV show, like, wrote for, for AJ to say. Like, it, you know, just to kind of take the perspective of, like, a blind person and how how it's just, like, it, he can't see physically, but he could see inside and he could, like, all the, like, it would have been great. And then, but they know that's going to get torn up last minute anyway. So there's just like, let's just go with like puns and shit. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Brilliant. The, the Street Profits against Chad Gable and Otis. <laughs> Omos guides AJ out to do to do commentary. The f- visual of this of AJ sitting ringside. Looking at the match, but he couldn't see the match, and he asks Corey, "Who's winning? Who's winning?" That line was worth all of this awful comedy. Who's winning? And he had to call the match as though he's blind. This was so dumb. I, you know what? The more you kind of recap it, the more I can absolutely. Uh, dude, AJ see. was like, dude, you cannot say AJ was not like. Putting his all into this, oh, I Vin, thought Vin, I thought it was amusing. You're gonna have a blind man call a wrestling match. I love it. We have to do it. So Graves was trying to set things up, like 
as you see it, AJ, but like these were all falling flat and like AJ wasn't picking up on them either. And they just they just stopped. Uh, Dawkins comes in silencer to Gable, uh, which it sounded like midway through the crowd was hit with the silencer. They were like much more subdued. Ford hit a flip off the apron, climbs up, but then AJ leaps to the apron. So we got like five minutes of this blind gimmick and then he was outed. Kicked off by Ford. The man can see. Gable's knocked down from the heavens. 315, and AJ is annoyed with Omos that his cover has been blown. So we are continuing the uh, the issues between AJ and Omos that are quietly building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, AJ is, is a funny comedic performer, sure. Um, he also happens to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. And and that's just what's what's unfortunate, you know, is like he this man could be the opponent for Edge in a long. He's now he's program. now playing pr- Prince AJ from TNA. Oh man, I feel like it's it's getting worse um, in some levels, but yeah. Vince is with his pal Austin Theory and asks about AJ's surprise. What did you think about it? Vince says it was horrible. You could see it coming a mile away. This is after Theory had said, I liked it. And tells Austin to be more attentive. Look at me. As he's trying to watch the screen. This a part of me was like just amazed that these aired, but they were they were something else. Yeah, I found them totally weird and creepy. Um and uh yeah, I guess just another excuse. Like, how would this even do for, for ratings? With this like last week at least they teased some sort of reveal, you know, at least they dangled some sort of mystery. Who stole the egg? No, this just week. just Vince appearing, I don't I don't think this is going to have much of an impact. And what's the point? There was no point to these. Dana Brooke is chatting with Reggie with her twenty four seven title, and then Rollins finds Kevin Owens and is laughing. And calling him a liar. It starts singing liar, liar, pants on fire. Because Great. where there's smoke, there's fire. <sighs> Owen says, I did not lie. And Rollins continued to laugh. Did I nail it? I perfectly. Damian Priest and Apollo Crews. <laughs> the most unintentionally funny line of the night was Jimmy Smith at the beginning of this match saying, Damian Priest is from New York. This crowd should really be into him. Dude, this crowd was crickets <laughs> as he said this. They were not into this at all. <laughs> Priest uh, meets Commander Aziz on the floor. He distracts, allowing Crews to attack him. They go through the commercial. Priest slams him off the shoulders for a two count. And then Priest is yanked down by Aziz to the floor. Aziz gets ejected. The highlight was Derek Moore (laughs) rolling his arms before the ejection. If you go and rewind uh, and watch anything, it's got to be that moment. Priest emerges from under the apron. WrestleMania 19 with Vince McMahon. This was not. And he snaps after being pulled down from a turnbuckle. And he fires up. Choke slam off the apron, reckoning, and he pins Apollo Cruz. You know it was not Vince in that Hogan match, uh, but you could tell, totally tell that was the blueprint. And that was the influence, right? You know, I need you to come out from beneath the apron and look really angry, <laughs> like you've transformed. Oh, he looks so oh. silly <laughs> when he does this. Like, put on your snapped face. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, it's pretty cartoonish. But they were totally going for the the Vince spot, the famous 
Mania 19. This is a show of cartoon characters. We yeah. just had our Looney Tune segment with the the man trying to p- pretend to be blind um, to try to catch the mouse or whatever. I don't even know if that was a cartoon, but yeah, and then here you have um your your transforming Hulk monster. So it's something for priests. You know, it's something for priests that fits within this very cartoonish world that Vince McMahon prefers. Um and it gives him oh, an ability like he's being pushed. He he too, like Seth Rollins, is one of the people that is actually being well protected and you actually feel a sense of momentum in their star power. So yeah. Rollins met with Pearson DeVille and said that Owen and Owens is still spewing rumors. It's not a good look for Raw. Pierce goes over it and he thinks it's a good idea if Owens can beat Big E that it would be a triple threat and says that Sonya agreed. So the stipulation is on and Rollins is furious. You lied to me. Mm. So we have two liars with their pants on fire. Do you think Owens is watching all this is like he's got a checklist of all the things that need to go right? Yeah. And he's just like, I'm two out of five. Sweet. Now I just have to make sure that Rollins doesn't come to the commentary table and attack Big E. Because then Big E would be disqualified. He has to make I sure would he be goes, disqualified. He has, he has to make sure he goes to the commentary first. Yes. What if Rollins decides to just go home after this? He would actually have to wrestle. Well, no matter what, he's Owens is already in an advantage. Sure. Yeah. Ray and Dominic against Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. This was uh, the Mysterio's uh, rehabilitation after being murdered by Bobby Lashley, uh, who is not on the show tonight. Dominic just gets beaten down. Uh, Byron notes the competitive raw tag division that is emerging. This match being a clear indication of the emerging tag teams. Ray gets the hot tag, double 619, and Dominic with the frog splash, pinning Cedric Alexander in three minutes and two seconds. So the Mysterios, um, actually, this probably sets up Benjamin and Cedric Alexander to face Arkin mm. for the tag titles next. Right, right, yeah. I'll have to check the rankings. Uh, just another match. Becky Lynch, Zelina, Carmella, Dewdrop, Tamina against Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke, Rhea Ripley, and Nikki Ash. So this match was long. Dewdrop comes in with Nikki. When they come back from the first commercial break, Nikki is beaten down for a long time, tagging in Ripley. Uh, she gets struck by a clothesline, and Carmella's holding her face with the mask on, and Ripley just drives her face into the canvas and then is delivering knees. When all of a sudden, Carmella catches her with the coat of silence. Dana Brooke breaks that up. Every single person takes a turn running in, and the official just stands there, and he's just watching this all happen. Graves tells the referee to go back to officiating school. He's got no command of the ring. Dewdrop hits her running splash to Bel Air, and then Becky with an inverted DDT onto Liv. We go through a second commercial. Liv gets the tag, double knees on Tamina. Then Dana is on top with Zelina and gets shoved down by Carmella with the others to the floor. Liv then knocks Becky down, turns around into a super kick from Tamina, kicks out, knocks Tamina into the rope for kind of an awkward setup for the Oblivion, but at least Liv Morgan got the pinfall here. Dude, this went 19 minutes and 36 seconds. This was way too long. Yeah, I didn't realize it went that long. Um, I was watching without the commercials, but um, I do. I will say, you know, I, I think I, I do prefer when they go to these eight to ten person multi woman man matches occasionally. They don't do it that much in the WWE. And when they do, I do feel like there's like a bit of a sense of 
you know, like this is sort of like a big posse cut. Everybody got it, kind of gets to go in, do their moves, and everybody is relatively well protected because they only, you know, for the most part, get to shine with one person at the end being the focus. And they achieve that with Liv. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe it could have been shaved off. Sure. Becky attacks Liv after the match. Dewdrop attacks Bel Air, but gets hit with a spine buster. So that was Bel Air's big, uh, Spot here with Dewdrop. And then Becky goes for the manhandle slam that is countered with the arm drag and Liv lays her out with Oblivion. So uh, a, ni- a nice ending at the end here. Putting, I thought this was actually more effective than the promo stuff with, with Liv at the end. So you set it up with Liv yelling to Becky that the belt is coming to her next week for this match in Memphis. They're trying uh, what they can in these couple weeks with Liv Morgan, who is coming from completely... I would say like complete obscurity in this division into title contention status. So I don't know how much they're actually expecting this to do other than to just kind of give um, Becky a random opponent before the next pay-per-view. Um, I, you know, my, my bigger question is like, where would it leave Liv Morgan after this? I, I, I can't say it's been a good program at all prior to this, but, if if the match is great, if they do value performance in a match, I think, and then I think an audience will value performance in a match. Um, I think you know she would still have some value coming out of this program because, like, I don't know how much she's really gained from it for me at least thus far. With no one ready for Becky and a pay per view around the corner, like you've got a month, uh, I could see Liv winning this next week just to come back to the pay-per-view several weeks later. Like you don't have any baby faces ready. I don't They cannot go back to Bianca so quickly. She's already tied up in a program. I mean, your other options are to take Ripley or Nikki on just a couple weeks notice. Like you've spent all this time in this live program. I could certainly see at the very least turning around and doing a rematch. You could do some screwy finish next week on TV as well. And then keep the title on Becky, but I could certainly see this just getting extended to the pay-per-view. Yeah. Vince is once again with Austin Theory. I don't know what numbered segment we're at this point. And he informs Austin how you have to expect the unexpected. If you expect a surprise, it's a real surprise. And asks, do you understand? And scolds him again for looking away. Yeah, these were weird. There was a <laughs> lot. Yeah, there there was constant mention of like, and, and Austin Theory constantly paying attention to something else and not paying attention. Raw, to he was watching Raw. Uh, you would think so, I suppose. So why would Vince be upset? I don't know. Maybe w- was he getting like the feed that like, are they on the screen or is he watching himself? Who knows, dude. But I, I more so took it as like, you know, with Vince, anytime you have something Vince McMahon on TV, I, I'm I, people in our position. I'm sorry. We can't help but like kind of use it as a form of psychoanalysis to see what is exactly in Vince McMahon's head. And you have to wonder if if this is Vince just simply, you know, his critique about millennials and their inability to pay attention during conversation. I'm sure. I'm sure this is all tied in. Um, someone's got to file a missing persons report for Veer Mahan. What has happened to this man? He's he's been making his way to Raw for over a month now. Dude, the draft was October the fourth. Yeah. Wow. That long ago. <laughs> They, 
they're not even making an effort to like refresh these videos at least with like Zia Lee like we're getting something new every single week yeah there's a progression there like it, this has just been coming to raw this, I mean at video. least they haven't dropped them it's not like he's in Elias territory where he god knows what's happened to him like it tells me that they've either really mistimed when they want to debut him and they just keep delaying it or they have no idea what they're going to do with this man other than the fact that he's he's big <laughs> Maybe Vince is going to watch Raw with a different person every week, and Veer Mahan will watch Raw with him for a whole night. That would be interesting. Okay. Mahan Patrick- and McMahon. Yes. Kevin Patrick is with Biggie. He notes it would be more difficult to retain in a triple threat than a singles match, and he needs to rid the duplicitous scourge that is Kevin Owens. Yes. Vince and Austin Theory. <laughs> it ends with Vince asking him, Have you enjoyed tonight? <laughs> Austin says, yeah, I learned a lot. He says, you've got to be prepared for surprises. And he puts his hand out to shake his hand, and instead he slaps Austin. You've got a lot to learn, you little bastard. Vince and Austin, back again. Austin and Vince, yes. So we've got on SmackDown, the heel authority figure feuding with the top babyface, and on Raw, we're just doing Vince Austin, a, a different interpretation of it. Very different, I would say. Steve Austin, the millennial. <laughs> a millennial version of Steve Austin. Yeah, we'll see how that Austin 316 says, give me a break, man. <laughs> it's been a real long week. <laughs> um, I'm just amazed that, like, you know, you have, I would say at this point, like, Vince McMahon being on TV, I think should should be st- should still be seen as special. And, I, you know, last week it, it perhaps was. But I'm just amazed that in a week, how mundane, I would say, how normal it feels to just have Vince on TV because these segments have been completely pointless. It's Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Very good. Big E and Kevin Owens at the end. Listen, every combination of Big E, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, and Seth Rollins, like, it's a good match. But I also feel like it's, like, we've seen... Every combination, and we're going to continue to see every combination for the final 20 minutes of Raw for the foreseeable future. Have we seen Big E versus Owens? We saw this one a few weeks ago. That was the one where Owens like took advantage of Big E. Oh, Remember? you're right. Yeah, When you're Rollins right. uh, nailed Big E, and Owens yeah, yeah. took... That was like the beginning of the heel turn. Mm. So Rollins comes out before the match begins and joins commentary. He's complaining about being lied to. Owens goes after Biggie's left knee, so we are at least uh, tying it into uh, past matches. So Owens uh, goes after Seth and dares him to do something where he would win by DQ. Seth says, I'm not going to fall for it. So the obvious question here is why wouldn't Seth go after Big E and get Owens disqualified? Mm. Shouldn't that have been explained? He's not that smart. Seth is an idiot. Is that the is that the conclusion? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. This whole match is structured around Owens is trying to get him to attack him so he'll get Big E disqualified. Mm-hmm. Well, if Seth just decided, well, I'm going to screw Kevin Owens out of this match, I'm just going to attack Big E. The answer is, John, bad writing. All I want is one line. Like... Rollins could say, listen, I could attack Big E, but I know that Pierce and DeVille are going to screw me if I do that and I ruin their main event. So I am not going to do that obvious 
outcome. Anything. Just give me something. But instead, you have this whole match that's hinged upon him not attacking one guy, and we have to forget about the open door to attack the other guy that would solve his problem. I think for the most part, you know, when you're watching Raw, you have to understand that they're these are all portrayed to be very simple creatures because they are being filtered through the mind of a very simple person. Look at me. And I, this is not the show where I think you, you know, they expect their audience to think about these characters motivations at any sort of depth. Um, It's a bonus if it happens, but if they luck into it, then that's great. But for the most part, it's like, Oh, I'm angry. I got to hit this person. I can't help myself. So Owen hits a superplex. E comes back with a splash, but lands on the knees. Then Owen with a Owens with a senton on the knees. E finally hits his splash. There's going back and forth here. The big ending is blocked. Owens hits a pop-up powerbomb for a two count. And then Owens goes to climb, but instead goes after Seth again and attacks him. He gets back into the ring, into a super kick from Big E. They're both down, and Rollins can't control himself. He attacks Kevin Owens. And gets this, uh, and gets uh, Owens. Who does he get disqualified here? He gets Biggie disqualified. So Owens wins the match by DQ and is inserted into the day one main event. Yes, yes, yes. So we have our three way, um, which, which is- uh, you can see several nights earlier. This is the main event at the Toronto House Show as well. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, they're they, running ads for it tonight. They have a whole month to build to this thing. Like, yep. <laughs> oh, oh, we will see every singles match. We will see a handicap match. We will see, uh, I'm sure, many, many iterations of these three over the next month. Does the match, can the match get changed in that time? Like, of a course. month is a long time away. What story are, are they going to fill this with? Who's going to try to get whom DQ'd? Mm. Um, can they coexist? Owens and Rollins teaming up. Right, right. Yeah, man. You got Finn yeah. Balor. He could team with Big E. Yeah, you mean, sure. You're actually throwing a real suggestion or a joke suggestion? No, I mean, I'm I've fully, if you want to do a tag thing where Owens and Rollins have to team up together, um, you okay. need someone for Big E to team with. So what, Finn, Finn Balor is that next person. Sure, could happen. Yeah, man. Uh, this was a show where they produced some wrestling. They made a whole lot of money for doing it. Um, and then the rest of it was like, <laughs> it's just stupid. Like it's a, it's, it's a really dumb show. Um, and I watch this every single week, but like now I'm just starting to like, you know, be able to just honestly say this is a dumb show because it is produced very, um, carelessly and, you know, probably on very short notice for mo- most of the time. Um, a lot of yeah, whatever. Like, do I need? Do we need to like you know go through like a final final thoughts type of thing? Even here's my final thought. Uh, tonight's promo material. <clears throat> tonight's promo material. I'm getting choked up just regurgitating this number of we can't afford this talent because of these big contracts. WWE netted a cool five million dollars for the show tonight. Hmm. Yeah. My voice is telling me I can't go on any longer. So let's go to feedback. All right. I'll, uh, I can handle it, John, if if you. No, I'm good. Okay. Well, I'll start with Andrew from Cape Breton, who says, I felt a little uncomfortable with the comment Liv Morgan made about Becky Lynch's contract being the reason people were fired as if WWE is this mom and pop operation. They are. They are. They're, they're trying to make ends meet. We're in a pandemic. Come on. 
and Becky has got them over a barrel. I can picture Vince McMahon begging Becky to give them back some money so they don't have to lay off more workers as it would break his little heart. Even Edge was in on it. I guess Miz leaving was the reason John Morrison was fired because he wasn't around. I did like Edge's comment about everyone talking about Miz, but it did feel that the whole promo was a lesser version of Punk and MJF. One low light of the night was Corey Graves pointing out that the 10 women in that tag was practically the entire division. It almost seems like 10 to 12 is a set amount of women per brand, and if you're not in that group, they'll probably fire you. Becky's contract must be crazy. Uh, we go on to Jamie. Apologies for not having too much to share today, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to the fact you guys joked about Damien Priest's double personality gimmick being a representation of his name. Damien equals the devil in him and Priest the saint. It was you, not a joke. That is exactly... No, like, that's... It, that was our analysis. Are. That's yeah. that's exactly the reason why they're doing this push. Yeah, that was not a joke. <laughs> that's the, the idea. Uh, not surprised whatsoever, as this is clearly the creative direction we are heading to. One-dimensional gimmicks all day, every day. I mean, as as you mentioned last week, Way, like, the idea is to have a fraction of, like, a Hulk-up spot for Damien Priest. I don't think it's a flawed idea. It's... No, I mean, it's, it's something for him, for the kids. Like, you need something like that for... To be successful at at this level in in this company is stuff like this that is going to um, hopefully elicit a response. Um, I, I do think there is a way though to be able to satisfy all audiences though when you're trying to do something like this. Orange Cassidy has a whole cup spot, but it's when he, like he's managed to find a way to do it that is so incredibly novel that it pops everybody. Um, this just kind of feels like it's an awfully generic. When I get really angry, I'm going to hit you oh, really I'm so hard. Mad. Yeah, you um, pulled me down off the turnbuckle. There's nothing fun with the idea of, that we're going to. Like, it's great that they want to push Damian Priest by giving him this form of creative, but I, I I just wish that it was more creative. Well, those are fine words to end the show off. I wish it was more creative. Um, that is it for Raw. So coming up Tuesday. We will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern time going through all the latest news at youtube.com slash postwrestling and available in audio form to all members at postwrestlingcafe.com. And then Tuesday night, it is Rewind Away number 100. We have arrived, Way. Didn't even realize. Wow, 100. Starcade 1997. Lots to discuss from a very famous show in WCW's history as we will discuss whether Nick Patrick had a different cadence. Maybe because he was not from the Northeast, he did not have such a fast count. <laughs> Interesting. I have no idea what you're talking about because I haven't watched the show yet. Way so. is an absolute just glutton <laughs> for punishment that he awaits. And the in all of this time that I joke about, at the end of a Ross show that he has not watched the show yet, there has never been once that you have either Said, hey, I didn't finish the show in time. Can we push back an hour or two? Never. He always finishes it in time, and I don't know how. I could I could not do it. I could not, literally, from now until the time we record, I could not watch Starcade in, in that allotted time. Uh, the, you know, you do this long enough, you, you figure out ways to fit matches in between sleep, I guess. Uh, on this show, we got Sting versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan for the World Heavyweight Championship. We've got Larry Zabisco versus Eric Bischoff with Bret Hart as a special guest referee. What an introduction. Kurt Hennig versus Diamond Dallas Page for the U.S. title. 
Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger. Oh, my Raven, God. Raven's Rules featuring Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn. Goldberg versus Steve Mongol McMichael. Um, and then to open the show. Uh, I don't know if I'm looking forward to this one as much. Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight Championship. Should I end with that one? Um, should, I, should I eat my vegetables first? I don't want to say anything a- ahead of time, but oh, this is a show. Yeah. If, <laughs> yeah, let's let's not say anything for for Way's sake. Okay. <laughs> He's got to watch all right. this. All right, we're back tomorrow. We'll chat with you all then. Thank you so much for listening. We are live after every Raw, every Dynamite, every SmackDown. Good night. Have a wonderful day, evening, afternoon, and Starcade viewing.